0: today we're going to talk about family you know we're, we're in the series uh working on a dream how many of you are working on dreams you know you're working on raising kids you're working on building houses and you know we're trying to figure out you know right now we're all moving up to honey island area we're all looking at where the houses are going to go and the power poles and the sewer and the you know i mean we're it's it there's a life is a process amen and I think that we've gotten in this frame of mind now, a lot of people, these generations, that everything is so automatic that they think, well, it's just going to happen. It's going to be there. You know, and I look back at the process of my life, and I look at the process of my parents. You know, Dad, Dad's been in this house since 1989. We moved in that house my freshman year. Do you know what? He's still working on that house. And, uh, you know, and, I, and I, I don't think it and his house is over 100 years old, but you know what? It don't matter what kind of house you get. You got to work on the rest of your life. Anything you build immediately starts falling apart. You know, they say that immediately when we we're born that we begin to die. It's just a slow, slow process. And so everything, everything requires maintenance. Everything requires working on nothing. You can't create nothing or you can't, you can't have anything that's just going to sit there and take care of itself. You know, it takes maintenance. It takes diligence. It takes wisdom. It takes discipline. Nobody likes discipline, right? But it does, it takes the discipline to do the things that are necessary. And, and today I want to tell you this, a family that properly seeks God will find its purpose. You know, because working on a dream, right, we're trying to like, what is, what is the purpose? What are we trying to do here? What are we trying to fulfill? And all of us, we want to we have successful families, and we want God to be with us, and we want to see things turn out well, amen? But how, how exactly do we do that? How exactly do we see this come to to fruit? How do we actually see the, you know, how do we sow properly so that we will reap properly in our lives? And so a family that properly seeks God will fulfill its purpose. So I think we need to break down this statement and say, okay, let's, how do we do that? Now, who would, y'all all agree, right, that God needs to be involved in this, amen? God needs to be involved in this. Now, we all know that, but do we do that? You see, we got to take the Word of God past the knowing, and we got, to, we got to, let me tell you something, it ain't about, like someone said, we are saved by grace through faith. Amen, everybody say hallelujah. And like Mama said, it's not about being perfect, but you know what? Obedience does account for very much in our lives. And seeking God requires us to seek God in His Word, what do you want me to do, and be faithful to obey the things that He asks us to do, knowing that God is a rewarder of those that seek God. It says that in Hebrews. He is a rewarder. So if you seek God, what do you have to look forward to? Rewards, okay? And we're not just talking about monetarily here. We're talking about life in general. The Bible says, train up a child in the way he should go, that when he grows old, he won't depart from it. You know, these, are, these, are the, these are things, principles of the Word of God. And today, once again, I don't want you all to look at this series as the five-step process to achieving your dreams. I want you to realize this, that it is God and only God that you should look to to fulfill what God created you to do. He's your only hope. Your only hope. And so for us to pro- properly seek God and fulfill the purpose of our families, first of all we got to know is the purpose of our families. Have you, ever tried to, have you ever seen an object that you had no idea what it was, and then you try to figure out what to do with It doesn't work out very well, does it? You ever seen somebody using something for its unintended purpose and think, that is the funniest thing I've ever seen? And I'm going to tell you this. The, the, the very first thing that we need to acknowledge in our lives as our families is say, what is the purpose of a family? Because if you don't know what the purpose of your family is, you're not going to do with your family as God intended you for you to do, right? I mean, that, philosophically, that even makes sense. Anybody, if you don't know what the heck the purpose for your family is, then you're not going to do what you need to do with your family. If you think that your family is solely about you and for you, then you're going to run your family and steward your family for you. But if you see that God has a purpose for your family, God established the family, God created the family, and you begin to say, okay, God, we're going to do this your way, then you're going to be able to function properly as God designs you to function. Amen? I mean, we can't argue about this, right? Seems pretty simple. But as simple as it might be, we fail so many times because we begin to try to utilize the family in ways that it wasn't intended to be. And today, we find ourselves ministering to lots of families that are not ideal families because we do. We have lots of blended families, and it does make things a little more complicated. Amen. I'm not here. I'm just saying this. You know, this is where you're at. What do we do from here? That's what we've got to learn, okay? What do we do from here? There's many things I did before I came to Christ. Some of them I still have evidences of. I got in a bar fight one night because i just done some things I shouldn't have done. And I still have sinus problems because my nose got cracked. You know what? That's, that, that is a repercussion of a dumb thing that I did years and years ago. Does that mean that God doesn't love me? Does that mean you know, does that mean that Jesus' uh, you know, blood wasn't good enough for me to be a Christian? no. But so what we have to understand that this is what we need to understand about God. God is not bipolar, okay? Amen. God is not bipolar. God doesn't get up one day and says, I'm gonna thrash your butt, and then get up the next day and say, Here's a bouquet of roses. God is a God of love and God is a God of justice. At the same time. Daddy's hands. Y'all remember that song? You remember that song? Daddy's hands were, were soft and gentle and hard as steel when I'd done wrong. God is the same. God is the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. But God is love and God is just. And, you know, Moses knew these things. And I tell you what, you need to know who God is so that when you talk to God, you can remind him sometimes, God, you, you know who you are. <laughs> God was ready to smoke all of Israel. And God says, look, God, you're slow to anger and loving and kindness. Not. But you know what he also he He says, but you in no way will clear the guilty. He says, you are love and you are justice. You're both at the same time. And what happens is when we just see God as a loving God, we lose the fear, we lose the reverence, we lose the accountability, and we go on in our foolery, and we think, well, God's love, so he's going to bless me in my foolery. But he don't do that. And when things go awry, we just say, well, the devil's attacking me. Maybe, Maybe God is disciplining you. God disciplines the ones that he loves because it's a sign. I tell you what, when Chad West was a kid, it don't I got so I got four or five whippings a day, justifiably, went, you know, from the time I don't know was what? Birth till forty three. I'll be forty three next month. So but you know, I guarantee you if you saw me any time during the day, you would know who my daddy was. You wouldn't want you wouldn't look at Chad West and say, I wonder who his daddy is. Because if Chad West was doing stupid, Donnie West was taking care of it. And I tell you, I I remember me and Sharice, good grief. Dad was smart because he would be like, hey, we're going to deal with this when we get home. And you know what? He never in my life forgot. Never. Never. Some of us have done things that that the Holy Spirit has dealt with us and dealt with us and dealt with us and dealt with us. And and we're stupid to believe that God's going to forget. God's just going to let things, you know, but here's the deal. God, God, wants, God, is, God is very high. You are his kid. He would be a poor father if he didn't correct you when you needed correction, okay? If we, you, know, you know, the Bible says that, he, when, that when he forgives us, he throws our sins as far as the east is from the west to be remembered no more. But you know what? That doesn't mean that when we do stupid things as Christians that we're not going to pay for them because God doesn't know what we're doing. You see? Man, we need to learn how to read the Bible. You see the situations that we're in. And, and my point is this, is if you want God, okay? If you want to, when you're an old man, when you're an old woman, to see, your, to see the fruits of God in your life, then you've got to start sowing the seeds of God right now in your family. And, and, and I'm going to talk about some other, you know, and, and, and there's some complicated areas in our life, I'm going to talk about that later. But, but the first thing is know your purpose. Until you know the purpose of something, you will not know how to use it properly. You know, Malachi 2, 13 through 15, this was a rebuke uh, to Israel, but there's, a, there's something in here I want you to see. It says, and the sef- second thing you will do, the third thing was given. He says, you, you, he says will a man rob God? And this is in Malachi. He's dealing with three major issues. He's dealing with the, the lack of integrity in the priest. He deals here with, with uh, fathers. And the third thing he does is dealing with them trusting God with their wealth. He says, in this second thing you do, you cover the Lord's altars with tears, with weeping and groaning, because he no longer regards the offering or accepts it with favor from your hand. So these people are giving to God, but God's not accepting it. And they're crying and whining like, "Why, God, you're being mean. And he says, let me tell you why I'm not accepting your offers. Y'all remember with Saul? He told Saul what? It is better to obey than to sacrifice. Sacrifice is important. He shows our faith and trust in God. But God wants us even more so to obey Him. Because when we obey Him, that ultimately says we trust you. Because we're going to do what you've told us to do. And He says, but you say, why does He not? Because the Lord was witness between you and the wife of your youth. To whom you have been faithless. He says, though she is your companion and your wife by covenant. Did he not make them one with a portion of the Spirit in their union? You know the Holy Spirit's involved in your marriage here if you didn't know it or not. And listen to this. He says, and what was the the one God seeking? He says, godly offspring. Godly offspring. So guard yourselves in your spirit and let none of you be faithless to the wife of your youth. And so what God is seeking through, through family, the purpose of the family is that we create godly offspring. This is, I mean, in general, okay? You could, there's all kinds of little things, but for the most part, God cre- how many of you know that God created family before He even created the church? Church was established on the day of Pentecost. But, but God initially created family so that we could mirror God here on this earth. Because what does it take to make a family? Well, it takes a marriage, okay? And what does a marriage portray? A marriage portrays the picture of Jesus and his bride, the church. Amen? And so we see that in part of I mean, you've got to have a mom and a dad, right? A mom and a dad. Okay? It doesn't work that way. When you, take, when you take a woman and a woman, or a man and a man, they are non-fruit producing. Because that is not the way God created it. You have to cheat the system. And if you want God to be on your system, and you want God to bless you, you cannot cheat the system that God has established. You have to say, what is my purpose, O oh God? I am a man. God has called me to be a father to my children and a husband to my wife, vice versa. Parenting. You know, parenting, is the rela- parenting emulates the relationship that we have with God. As our father, as someone who loves us and protects us and cares for us. And, and we, as parents, need to be, We need to walk this out with them through God, so that they can understand more about God. There are so many people today whose relationship with God is strained because of their relationship with their parents. But I'm going to tell you this. Don't limit your relationship with God because of your parents. Okay? God is not your earthly father. He is your heavenly father. And you earthly fathers need to understand that you are trying to emulate to your children what a heavenly father looks like. But you got some discrepancies. And like Mama said earlier, you're not perfect. But here's the deal. Here's, it ain't about being a perfect parent. It's about when you mess up, being accountable for your mess ups. Some of you, some of you and your children, the, the issue isn't what are your children doing. The issue is you going back to where you have fallen and going to your children and saying, Hey, I created this. You see, you got to go back to the beginning. you got to go back to the front and say, Okay, what's going on? You may be the hold up in the issue with your kids. You can't expect your kids to be good if you're not being. You can't expect your kids to be obedient if you're not obedient. You can't expect your kids to do, you know, you, you can't play that do what I say and not what I do. No, you know, we've told, you know, the, the do what I say has not worked for, for thousands of years in the church. That's why the kids walk out of it every day, because they know what you say, but they respond to what you do. That's why the churches are that's why the college and career age ministry is the hardest ministry to build. Because they see what you say, but they watch what you do, and that teaches them nothing. Because they don't see the I mean, you can know something, but unless you understand it, unless you see the need, the reason, the why's, the what's in the house, it doesn't mean anything to you. It's got to be it's got to have some integrity with you. You see, your kids need to see you trusting God in every way and seeing you sow and reap because you trust God in every way. And then they will say, you know what? This is the way mom and dad did it, and it worked for them because they serve a mighty God. That's what they need to see in our lives. That's the only way it's going to pan out. If they don't see it working in your life, if they see you talking about it, but they don't see it working in your lives, then they have no reason to believe it. That's why we have so many 19, 20-year-old kids in college right now who are saying that they're atheists now because they never saw their mom and dad stand up with enough faith in their life to obey the Scriptures and to see the fruit of their faith come to fruition because they did not have the belief that matched up with their words. That's why the kids are so confused. God says spend their life teaching them and training them and letting them know So marriage is in a family. Parenting is in a family. And both of these are spiritual things that are supposed to build a relationship with God, that are supposed to be godly people. Because God says, I want to be your God, and I want you to be my people. From Genesis all the way to Revelations. And in Revelations, he finally says, now I am your God, and you are my people. Amen? That's going to be a glorious day. But like Krista said earlier, we are stewards of our kids. We are stewards of our kids. When we put ourselves above God and... When we, we get things out of priority and we don't know our purpose, we are to build godly families that love and serve and trust and follow after God. But a family that seeks God will fulfill its purpose. It properly seeks God, will fulfill its purpose. And so number two, so we know this, we've got to know the purpose of family. The purpose of a family is to glorify and seek and serve God, and it needs to be taught to the children. So that they have the same thing that when they have their families. And so in that statement, a family that properly seeks God will fulfill its purpose. We, now we know our purpose. Well, how do we properly seek God? Well, you've got to know what the Word says and you've got to do what the Word says. Listen, it ain't about being perfect. You're going to fail. But the Word even says what to do when you fail. Go back to where you have fallen and repent. Amen? That is the, that is the grace of God. Okay, you screwed up. We could kill you, or we could give you grace. We could blow you up, or we could give you a second chance. Amen. But on the same note, don't think that you have an unlimited amount of second chances, because he that often being reproved in the heart of his neck does what? Man, y'all need to be able to quote this because I say it enough. Without remedy, what does that mean? It's it's there's nothing that can fix it. You're going to die one day. You can't you can't on your deathbed go back and go back and fix everything. You need to begin today to walk in the word and say, okay, God, what do I need to do today? Because you know what? There's a, there's a harvest coming of what you've been reaping. You know, you can't, wouldn't it be nice if, if like during the season the weather's bad or whatnot or things are not ideal? you're like, I'm going to delay the harvest season this year until I get things like I want them. Here's the deal. Harvest season is harvest season. And when it comes time to reap, it's reaping. There's nothing you can do about it. But the second thing we need is we need to seek God properly. Once again, we need to, we need to, do, we need to say, God, we need, we need to rely on God. We need to trust Him. I mean, how are you going to make godly kids without God? I mean, it's vain to think, well, if we just make them act like us, they'll be godly. No, that ain't good enough. Amen? We need, to get, we need God involved in our life. Deuteronomy eleven eighteen 18-21 says, You shall therefore lay up these words of mine in your heart, in your soul, And you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. So God says, first of all, before you mess with the kids, you need to get them involved in your life. You need to get them in your heart. You need to believe them. You need to walk in them. You need to trust them. And then in verse 19, it says, you shall teach them to your children, talking of them when you are sitting in your house, when you are walking on the way, when you lie down, And when you rise. So what time of the day should you not be talking about the word of God with your kids? Now you can be ridiculous, okay? He's not saying you need to have a 24-hour Bible study, all right? But what he's saying is when they wake up, Jesus should be on their minds because they should see Jesus involved in your life. When they go to bed, they should think about Jesus, amen? And every little thing, you know, every time they have a problem, every time they have an obstacle, they need to think about God, amen? Every time they get a win, they need to thank God. Amen? They be thankful. They need to understand how involved God is in our lives. It says, you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates, that your days and the days of your children may be multiplied in the land that the, that the Lord swore to your fathers to give them, as long as the heavens are above the earth. You see, God wants to bless you people, but there's only one way to be blessed, and that's trust and follow the lord we cannot assume because god loves us that we can just do what we want and raise our families like we want and set our priorities wrongly and expect the fruit and the blessings of god in our lives but children must understand how god works not just know how he works there's like once again all these kids in college there's kids in college that can quote scripture better than half of you but they don't believe what god can do they know the bible They just don't believe in it. They don't understand it. Why? Because they've never had somebody successfully walk it out in front of them. And here's the the deal. Here's the only way you can do this to your kids. You you know what? Like like me as a child. I mean, I watched mom and dad in the hard situations not give up and say, we're going to trust God despite the situations. And I've seen enough wins and victories in my life celebrated. And I've seen God thanked enough in times when there was no other way. That I can't sit back and go, I wonder if God works or not. You know what I mean? You know, it, I don't, I, I don't, I, it wasn't necessarily my faith that I was healed of when I was seven years old. I was just a dumb knucklehead little seven-year-old kid with a bum hip. Amen? But it was my mother and father who prayed and lamented and showed me that the only solution to this problem is God Almighty. Amen? And so I knew when I, when I went one weekend and they say, you're going to have a surgery. And I went the next weekend. They were mad because they couldn't f- find a scar. I didn't go, how did this happen? I went, I knew immediately that God reached down and touched me in my hip and healed me. And I'm not talking about arthritis people. I'm talking about a crack that long in my hip. They were getting ready to pull it out and put a new one in. Shut me down physically for my whole life. In the, in the You can see the most healthier thing about me is my thighs. <laughs> Amen? How can you argue with that? How? And unless people see God moving in your lives, there will be no evidence that He exists or that He loves you or that He will do anything for you if you rely on everything else. Let me tell you something, people. Oils and medicines... And, and, uh, and, and some smart people have their place. But let me tell you something. The first thing we need to seek when we have a problem is the Word of God. If your kid's acting up, your first response shouldn't be, let me rub some peace and calming on your head. You need to put some hellfire on his honey. You hear me? And then put some peace and calming on the burns. Come on now. Hey, Christy's got some oils. I put that all hippie stuff on me. It actually is a good muscle rub. I was hurting and I put it on there. But you know what? We've got, we can't get so stupefied that we, 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 we lower the word of God over the world, the, world, the world. Our first response is, what does God say? Amen. Amen? What does God say? I mean, I'm not telling you don't take medicine. For God's sake, half of you would die if you'd stop doing that. Don't do that. But you know, what I mean, what that man right there, Donnie West, told me this. There's a reason for pretty much everything in your life. Don't just accept that that's just the way it is. It is what it is. It's the dumbest thing you'll ever say. It's the dumbest thing you'll ever say. You need to, you need to examine your heart. You need to seek God. We need to seek God. Don't be afraid to get on your knees and cry out to God and say, God, I don't know what's going on. Show me what's going on. That's what he wants us to do. That's what He needs us to do. That's what He's expecting us to do. My God, we spend so much time solving problems that we'll never solve without the wisdom and without the goodness and the grace of God. Amen? That was good what Ron said earlier. Quit worrying about your five-year plan. Just worry about the plan of God right now. Amen? Says he says, you know, we, we have many plans in our hearts, but it is the Lord that guides our steps. But we must teach and lead them. They must see your fruit. they got to see your fruit. they got to see your faithfulness. You know, we got to know the purpose of the family. When you learn the purpose of your family and you realize I'm to create godly offspring, then you will begin to train them in a godly way that's going to produce godly offspring. You know what? There's things that I love to do, and you listen to me, you fathers. Our job is not to make the new, better Chad West. That's not my job. My job is to seek the heart of God for my little girls and say, God, what do you want them to do? Hey, we hunt, and that's fine. We love it. But you know what? That's not what God created me to do is to make the best you know, little girl that can hunt in the world. That's not it. It's what does he want my daughter to be? we we got to quit living vicariously through our kids. we got to quit trying to do the things that we failed at. You know what? If you just failed at it, you failed at it. Why? You just ain't no good at it, okay? You can't be good at everything. It's like the Powerball, all right? It's some things you just have a one and no chance of winning, all right? Because you just ain't good at it, all right? Be okay with that. Find what you're good at. Thank God for it, amen? We don't need the same kind of folks all over the place. But our kids, listen, if you you take the, the Sabbath, worshiping the Lord, if you ain't faithful to church, don't expect your kids to be faithful to church when they grow up. Why? Because they saw you make the choices. They sh- that You showed them this is what we value, and this is what we feel like God wants us to do. When God says, clearly, this is not what I want you to do. I love Isaiah, I think, 54. says, you know, when you turn your foot from, 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 from not going to the Sabbath, he says, you'll see great things and all this stuff. That's very paraphrased. That's yes, Dad's next tattoo. I believe that. Unless I have uh, you know some unless I'm just sick and can't go, I'm going to be at church no matter where I'm at on Sunday. I don't care if I don't care if I'm in Canada, if I'm uh, if I'm in uh, Pinewood, you know, Texas, I don't I'm going to be in church and I don't care what the church looks like. If there's a preacher and people that know how to spell Jesus, I'm going to be there with them. Amen. Because it's his day. And I mean, I don't, I don't, I, I want to be, I, it shows gratitude, it shows respect, it shows the awe of a God, and when you need God like I do, you'll make sure that He knows, God, I need you, because I sure don't have anything better than you. Hebrews eleven six it says, and without faith it is impossible to please Him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. And we've got to quit seeking the world. And expecting God to reward us. We got got to quit seeking the world. And expect God to reward us. We got to quit seeking the world. And expect God to reward us. Amen. We got to seek God. And and you know it's okay to expect rewards when you seek God. Because that's the way God rolls. Amen. That's the way he promises. And that's the way he challenges us. I'm challenging your faith today. Where it may lie the way God challenges us in his word. But a family that properly seeks God will fulfill its purpose, amen? Because this dream that we're working on, it ain't about necessarily just me, it's about God, what do you have? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Man, go read read Joshua. Go read Joshua. Go read what happened before all that. You you know, see, Moses sent the, the, the men over into the promised land to scout it out. God already told these people, I got a place for you and... It, this is it for you. So they send the men over there, but all of them but two said, no, we can't go over there, it's too scary, and there's giants and all this other stuff, and we look like little locusts, you know, compared to those guys. But, but Caleb and Joshua said, hey, God says we can do it, let's do it. Let's, I mean, what's the problem here? But because of, this, because of those daddies' disobedience, you know, those, those men's word, those leaders' word, led the rest of the families and the less and the rest of the people of the of the tribes of Israel to say oh you see only, what was it 10 guys they sent over there or 12 yeah 316 anyway they they sent they sent I'm blanking out here, but they sent 10 or 12 but only 12 they, but only Joshua and Caleb said it's good to go 10 men 10 men affected the faith of the rest of Israel to not believe in God and because of that, y'all you know the 40, the 40 year wandering in the desert? You see, God was ready to just shoot, shoot all of Israel down, but Moses said, God, remember your purpose for your, your people Israel. He says, Remember that you're loving. But he still said, But you will in no way clear the guilty. And so what he did is this I'll tell you what I'll do. We're going to wait 40 years until all this first generation dies, and we're going to give the children a shot to go in the promised land. See, that's how great of an effect we have on our children. That's how great of an effect and an impact we have on our children. You see, God's got a purpose, and you better get in on it if you want to see it come to pass in your life. But Here's the deal. God's a rewarder of those that seek Him. And the third thing I want to tell you is this. is this, We've got to know our purpose, and we've got to seek God how? Properly. Not how we see fit. Not how we feel. But we need to read the Word. Amen. We need God, you know, and and then there's things in our individual lives that we need the Holy Spirit to lead us and direct us in. You see, I'm talking general right now, but you know what? When you begin to walk in the general word, then God will begin to show you specifically this is your purpose and this is your little girl's purpose and this is your little boy's purpose. He'll begin to show you these things when you begin to step back and say, God, you have my life. That's for me and my house. We're going to serve the Lord. Amen? It's it's that important. But the third thing I want to tell you is this is, Quit sharpening the swords against your house. And you say, what? How many of you remember the story of David? Nobody. Nobody knows who David is in the Bible. Either I'm that good or y'all just, I don't know what's going on. Are y'all mesmerized? How many of you know who David is in the Bible? We've been talking about him. In 2 Samuel 12, 9-14, through now, now David, who was a man after God's own heart, okay, And David, who God spoke of, is a man who will do all my will. Alright? What did he do? He saw Bathsheba. He lusted. He had her husband killed. Murdered. You know, David killed a lot of people on the right reasons, but this one he didn't. He took her as his own wife. Then she got pregnant. And he was just going on like, hey, everything's all good to go. God loves me. God's going to take, you know, everything's going to be all right. And in 2 Samuel, y'all know Nathan comes and confronts him, right? And is, this, is, this is like the best, like, laid out thing I've ever seen in my life. He, well, Nathan walks up, and, he, you know, Nathan's the prophet, right? Prophets do what? They hear from God. That's why some of y'all avoid prophets. Because you don't know what God wants to say. That's why you don't spend time reading the word because it's too offensive when you read it. So Nathan is the prophet to the king, David. Nathan walks up and says, hey, a rich man had a sheep, but he didn't want to kill his sheep, so he stole a poor man's sheep and threw a big banquet with his sheep. And David said, that's wrong. How many of you agree that's wrong? Everybody say, that's wrong. And boy, David rode up and said, we need to take care of this guy. Yeah? And Nathan said, you are that man. dang it, I didn't, it's a, you know, Star Wars, it's a trap, it's a trap, and when David realized, I mean, how, how do you not realize that you murdered a guy and stole his wife, how do you not realize that, it said David fell on his face, and this, this is the remaining of the conversation. And it says, why and and this is what this is God speaking to the prophet, why have you despised the word of the Lord to do what is evil in his sight? Why have you despised the Lord? I mean, really, when you think about it, why why would David want to despise the Lord after all that that God's done for him and all that God's been to him and all the things that he's been through with him? He says, You have struck down Uriah the Hittite with a sword, and have taken his wife to be your wife, and have killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. Now, therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house, because you have despised me. Here's, and let's go on. It says, And have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will raise up evil against you out of your own house, and I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor, and, you shall lie, and they shall lie with your wives in the sight of this son. And it says, For you did it secretly. But I will do this thing before all Israel and before the sun. And then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, the Lord also has put away your sin. You shall not die. So we see here, David did a bad boon. This is a, this is an extreme worst case scenario. Killing a guy and taking his wife, okay? And, and, and let me tell you something. The Lord deals accordingly to what's going on and how he fit like he said. What's the most effective way to deal with this? Amen, Ron? What, God, God had to say, what's the most effective way to deal with this? Well, let me tell you something. He forgave David. Okay? Still says David's a man after my own heart. But here's the deal. The sword never departed the house of David because of this great thing that he had done. He says, the Lord also put away your sin. You shall not die. Nevertheless, nevertheless, because of this deed, you have utterly scorned the Lord. The child who is born of you shall die. That's hard. But here's the deal. This this shows David. This shows his own. Because if that would have happened to most of us, we'd have quit going to church. We'd have quit tithing. We'd have been mad and bitter the rest of our life. But here's what David did. said, this is on me. This is on me. This is on me. And you know what? Some of you got stuff that's on you. You think it's some other person, some other person killing people's sheep or whatever it may be, but I'm going to tell you something. I don't know. I don't, I don't have anybody intention on mine here. I'm not trying to gun for somebody, but what I'm telling you is this, is some of you have swords in your house that you have wielded, and because you refuse to repent and deal with these things that the Holy Spirit is dealing and dealing and dealing with you about, all you're doing is taking a stone to the blade and sharpening it and sharpening it and sharpening it. And it's not going to go away until you deal with it. Until the word can can confront you like Nathan confronted David. and says you are that man. Until you acknowledge that you are that man like David had to do. Then it's not going to be dealt with. And here's the deal, here's the say. I don't know what God, I'm not saying that if you go and repent, everything is going to be perfect. But I do believe there are some things that are still repairable in your life. Amen? You hear me? I'm trying to save you some misery and save you and give you some peace in your life. Let you go to bed at night going, God is with me. Amen? And who can be against me? But I know this. It's true. Some of this is waiting on a decision that you need to make. And say, Lord, how can I make this Right in my life. Are you a deadbeat dad? Be a non-deadbeat dad. Amen. Rise up and love your kids. Do what God has called you to do. Are you a deadbeat mom? Rise up. Take care of them kids the way that God's called you to do. Quit making your family about your purposes and say, How can we glorify God in my family? Amen. How can we glorify God in my kids? How can we glorify God in our grandchildren? But how are you solving your problems today? Are you thinking it'll go away? Are you thinking everything will just turn into a big bowl of sunshine? Because here's the deal. Life has plenty of its own troubles. Amen. And we need God so desperately. You see, it's, it's about this. It's about being desperate for God and thankful about what He does in our life. Amen. And that's the kind of children that we need to raise. Because here's the deal. If they think there's another way, they'll take it. If they think there's another option, they'll head to it. But if they know by watching you and being raised that there is no other way, then somehow, some way, it's got to work out. But re- repentance can do way more than anything else sometimes. Sometimes, like I said, we look to oils and we look to medicines and we look to all these things. But I'm going to tell you what, when the doctors are looking at your kids and telling them what to do, you still want God's opinion. Amen. Maybe they do need to take medicine. But you know what? You need a piece of God on it. God needs to be involved in every decision you make and anybody that you come in contact with makes regarding what you are responsible for. But remember this God loves you. God's not bipolar, God is love, God is just. God wants you to raise godly offspring. Godly offspring. My question is this is you. What say you today? You know, you can sing the song all day long. As for me and my house. We will serve the Lord. And you can walk out that door and not have any evidence of fruit about that song. Or you can leave here today and say, you know what, today, I, wanna, I don't want to just sing the song. I want to live the song. Amen? Because I'm going to tell you what. When you lay down at night, and you look at your children in the face. And when you have the promises and the security of God, that means a lot. It means very much when you love something so deeply. But even so, you still need to trust God more than our own affections for our children. Amen? So bow your head and close your eyes so today. I want to ask you this. Are you a family that properly seeks God and will you fulfill the purposes of God in your life.